Well, it's complicated. You know, the, you know, you might ask the question, well, is heaven really all around? Because it looks like it's a mess. Well, it's complicated, isn't it? Life isn't easy. It's complex, complicated, difficult. There are good days. There are bad days. There's joy. There's pain. I remember a, um, a pastor I, I, I listened to years ago. He said, it's like walking down um, a hallway in a hospital. And on the one hand, you have the birth of a child, which brings so much joy into life. And on the other hand, you have the death of a loved one. It's complicated. Last week, we talked about how marriage is complicated. I thought there would be an amen somewhere. <laughs> we started some fights. Now, we, hopefully we started some good conversations because marriage is complicated. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk about parenting, and parenting is complicated. <laughs> Come on. Parenting is complicated. Um, one of the things I want to encourage you, uh, last week, like I said, we talked about uh, marriage being complicated, and in January, we'll kick off a new session of Re-Engage, and Re-Engage is one of the best, uh, we believe, uh, journeys that you can take with your spouse. It's, it's a long journey. It's 16 weeks of really just digging into relationship and self and, and our spiritual connection with God and those kind of things. So re-engage will be, um, will be coming. But life is complicated. We're complicated. You're complicated. I'm complicated. All of those things are true. I, I wonder if anybody remembers what happened on August the 14th of 2003. At 3.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Does anybody remember what happened on August the 14th, 2003, at around 3.30 Eastern Standard Time? Well, it was a warm day in the Ohio River Valley. Any Buckeye fans in the room? Yeah. They got lucky yesterday. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the story, but... It was warm in the Ohio River Valley, and in the Northeast, it was a particularly warm season. And the uh, power lines suddenly became overloaded. And what happened was one of the main power lines in northern Ohio, some of you are shaking your heads, you remember this, one of the power lines which was overloaded sagged just a little bit. The power company had not done what was needed to trim the foliage of some trees. The power lines dropped down into some of the trees, which triggered some events. The power was shut down in northern Ohio, which then began a series of trying to redirect energy and what became the largest blackout of that time and in, in, the northern, in northern America to that point, the largest blackout occurred. The northern U.S., southern Canada. Anybody remember this in 2003? Some of you remember it? So at 3.39, that event began. An increased load, a line sagged, a station tripped. 
by 4.30, within an hour, 50 million people were without power. 50 million people because a line touched some trees and it triggered a series of events. Now, when you think about that, you think, okay, energy, power was cut. Communication was cut. Water systems were impacted dramatically, which sparked a series of having to boil water before you could eat or cook. I mean, everything for that little moment in time changed. And so as they did some research, they, they went in and, and, and they began to ask the question, why didn't we see this coming? Why didn't we trim those trees? Why didn't we have some alarm systems in place so that we might know that this was coming? Um, what was it? And they found they actually had some alarm systems, but no one was paying attention to the alarm systems. There were some red, you know, red lights flashing somewhere, but no one was watching them. And um, what I want to talk about for just a few minutes and what I, um, what I hope we can get our, our minds around just a little bit, I, I think there are some warning signs, and I think we're kind of ignoring some of those warning signs of what's taking place across our culture right now. And I think it has to do with the digital world in which we live. Now, um, I'm not a burn it all and run kind of person, and so don't hear me saying that. Um, but I think there are some warning signs flashing that we need to pay attention to before we are overcome, and some of us may already be overcome, with a flow of information that could shut down everything around us and within us as human beings. The increased flow of information that has happened in the last 50 years is tremendous. Now, if you think about power coming through a line, think about communication and information and is anyone overloaded at any level with what's coming in? Do you ever feel overloaded like it's just too much? I think there's some warning signs, and I think we need to pay attention to them. Now, um, Jesus at one point, he's talking and he says, you know, you, you point out a log in someone else's eyes, or you point out a speck, reverse that, you point out a speck of dust in someone else's eye while you have a log sticking out of your own. And when we talk about this, it's easy to look at other people and other things and point out little things that they're doing and miss whatever it is that's in our own eyes. So over the next, like, 20 minutes as we walk through this, will you not point your finger at anyone else? Will you look inward? Can you do that with me? And I'll be one of the first to admit, as I've been preparing for this, I've been convicted a number of times. I've been convicted of this, and um, misery loves company, so join me being convicted of this and being convicted of some of the ways that I've used this in my life. So you ready? Here we go. Now I'm going to get there. I'm going to begin with this uh, proverb. I love this proverb. It's one of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture. I think it's so important for us. It says this, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Isn't that a cool little Scripture? Isn't it true? Like, you may not know what you believe about God. You may not think there is a God. But this is true, isn't it? 
Like our words matter. Our words can breathe life into someone or our words can cut someone's legs off, can't, can't they? Like we can give life by the things that we say or we can steal someone's joy pretty quickly, can't we? And what I believe about the digital world is our words are multiplied and magnified, which means it can bring a lot of life, but it can also bring a lot of death and pain to those around us. So I want to dig into this tension. There's this tension within the digital reality we are living, and it can be used for this And all the digital stuff that we do can be used for good and evil. Did you know that? This can be used for evil? You can laugh because you're like, of course it can be used for evil. It can bring people together. The digital world can bring people together or it can drive us apart. Have you been alive in the last two years? Anyone been living through the last two years? The digital world can do some things to bond us, to unify us, but it can also do some things to drive a wedge between us and push us further apart. It can be used to build community and the digital world, our phones, our screens, all of those things can also isolate us to where we are all, we feel as though we're all alone, more connected than ever before, more lonely than I've ever felt. You know what I'm saying? Some of us can be in a room like this, almost full of people, but feel like we know no one and no one knows us. Come on, church. Are you here today? Are you with me? The digital world can be a tool of life and it can be a tool of death, depending upon what we do. We have the power... People are making millions of dollars uh, helping us get addicted to what we're watching. Millions. They're making millions. I remember, like, when YouTube started growing in popularity, and my kids, like, would, would watch other kids playing video games rather than playing the video games they had themselves, which I thought was ridiculous. I thought, what is going on in my house right now? And I think one of my kids at one point said, well, Dad, you watch football instead of playing. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) But I'm serious. Like, watching videos of, of other kids playing video games rather than playing the video games themselves. Those kids who are, who are filming themselves playing video games are making millions. There are millions of dollars trying to increase your time, your engagement online. They also want to grow in usage. They don't want you just to hear about the video about playing the video game. They want you to tell your friends about the video playing the video game so that your friends would also. They want to create movements around these things that drive more and more people to them. Why? Because there's millions of dollars behind it, a lot of reasons behind it. And they want to create further action with you. They want to move you to some action steps. Does this make sense? Okay, are you with me? We're going to go somewhere, I promise you. You just got to stay with me. We're going to walk through some stats and some different things, but we're going to, we're going to go somewhere. Um, I think it's David Brooks who who uh, written a couple of books and, and wrote for the New York Times for years. He said this, tech companies, tech companies 
understand what causes dopamine surges in the brain and they lace their products with hijacking techniques that lure us in and create what's called compulsion links. Now that's a lot of science talk. What they've discovered is that dopamine in the brain, which when the human, when, when we desire something, there's, there are these things that are triggered in the brain that move us in different directions. And dopamine then provides for, for, for us like a, a, a sense of joy. And what happens is we create these loops or these habits that we don't even realize are being created. And tech companies understand this and they use it. Let me give you a simple example from me. Some of you... Um, are like me in this, and you're gonna understand exactly what I'm talking about. Others of you, just pray for people like us, if you would. Just, so I can't stand red notification dots on my phone. Like when your mail has like a little red circle with a number inside of it, or your text messages have that, I just can't stand it. I need it to be clean. Anybody else, can somebody, oh. We're going to start a support group. It's going to be called, we're the red dot group. My name is Matt. I hate red dots. Anyone? So it, it drives me crazy. Uh, one time I picked up Robin's phone, and um, it had this red dot, but it was like a, a long red dot, and it like had 3,254, like on her, and she just doesn't care. She ignores it. So the tech company doesn't matter to her. Like, it, like they've missed it. They've got other things on her. Don't worry. I, I, I'm not going to tell you about those things. I'll get in trouble later. But like for me, it's the red dots. And what happens is if I just pick up my phone at random and I see a red dot, I have to clear the red dot. Tech companies understand this, and they drive you to more and more usage and engagement. Some of you are like, Matt, you are weak. I know. I know, it's my brain, it's the dopamine. They understand me. This is true across the board. And it might not be red dots for you, but I want you, again, not to point at me or make fun of me, that'll get painful. I want you to think, like, what is that for you? Is there anything in your digital world that has sucked you in at a level that you almost can't even control your activity? You don't think you can control your activity, and that is when we get pulled into a level where then we're being maybe manipulated. I'll get to that in just a minute. Screen time. All kinds of studies. I know we're kind of new in this, uh, this whole science of the digital world, but screen time. As screen time increases, all the studies show, so does BMI. Do you know what BMI is? It's a health indicator that we should pay attention to from time to time. Your BMI increases the more screen time that you, you, you have. Your sleep decreases the more screen time that you have. And your development, the cognitive is, is the one long-term that they're, they're still like not sure about, but early signs of studies here show that your emotional, your relational, and your cognitive development decrease the more time you spend with the screen. And I'm not just talking about phones, there's computers and there's TVs as well. The more time we spend with devices in the digital world, these are the things that are happening to us. Are you still with me? 
Any of you feel any bit of conviction? Because like I'm, I do. Like the more I, I pay attention to what's going on. Penn State University, Nit the Nittany Lions. What are they anyway? I don't know. They did some research with some students on campus. And they took a, a group of students and they said, with this group, we want to limit social media and screen time. And then we'll take another group of students and we'll give them freedom to use their screens and social media as much as they want to. And you know what they discovered from these two groups of students? The students that had less screen time and limited social media showed less signs of depression and feelings of isolation over time. In other words, they were more happy and connected in real personal relationship than those who spent time on their screens. And it's interesting because the reason many people say they use their screens is to stay connected and so they don't miss anything. And yet, those who use their screens more are saying we're less connected and we're missing things. We're more isolated and we're not as happy. Just so many interesting studies. I won't spend a ton of time because you can go look for yourself and read some of the studies, which I encourage you to do because it's eye-opening. Media consumption. I'm going to point my finger at kids and students for just a minute. But don't worry, adults, we're really close. Media consumption, kids and youth, they're saying today, five to seven and a half hours a day on screens. Don't gasp. Parents, we're the same. Like, we are not far behind. Where do you think they learn the behavior? <laughs> now, I, I, I just had some fun multiplying this out. I wanted to see what that equaled. Seven and a half hours a day of media consumption, digital consumption. Look what it equals. 114 days out of the year are spent looking at a screen. 114 days a year. Somewhere between a fifth and a third of our time is being spent on a device. Now, come on. That's a lot. And when you add in sleep, I mean, think about our waking time, how much waking time we're spending connected to something else instead of connected to the people who are surrounding us. Am I there yet? It's complicated. It's complicated because there's work to be done and there's emails to be responded to. And someone texted me. I know I'm in the middle of dinner, but I got to respond just to this one text, just one text. Have you ever said that? Just hold on just one second. Oh, some of you are like, why did I come to church today? I could have watched it online. <laughs> Fast forward through all this mess. Okay, they, uh, so kids, since we're talking about kids, they, they have done some research and they ask kids, why do you spend so much time on your devices? And here's what kids say. These are kids just telling the truth. Uh, I spend time to pass time. Like I'm looking at my screen because I'm just trying to pass time. That's learned behavior. We're, we're just trying to pass time. I want to stay connected. I don't want to miss anything. I want to stay in the know. And I also want to learn. There's some good. So I want to transition for a second and say there's some good in these devices. Did you know that? Like I don't have any parents who live 
anywhere near their grandkids, my kids. And I'm able to share pictures with them and show that my, my um, middle son, Calvin, um, they made it to the state playoffs in football. He plays for SCA, Scottsdale Christian. And um, this weekend, none of my parents could come to watch him play in the state playoffs. It's the state playoffs. It's awesome. I was so excited that he got to play in the state playoffs. Um, I played high school football, never played in the state playoffs. We never made it. And so, I'm, like, I'm super proud of my son. I said it twice already. You want me to say it again? Anyway. <laughs> So my phone gives me the ability to communicate with my parents and show them pictures and things that are happening online. And they can be on their screens and they can see that. That's awesome. Isn't that a good usage of, of media? We can use these things for so much good. Let me tell you about um, some friends at Life Church and YouVersion, the Bible app. Um, uh, Bobby, oh, what's his name? Gruenwald, thank you. Bobby Gruenwald um, had this idea for the Bible app and created it a, a number of years ago, and they give it away for free. There's no money behind this in terms of, of what's coming in because you use the Bible app. Look how many installs they are near. They're nearing 500 million installs on devices. That's unbelievable. Think about the spread of, the, of, of access and, uh, to the Bible. Unlike anything in, in history, the, I mean, it's just amazing. 518, is that billion? 518 billion minutes of scripture reading in the time that the version has been given away. Over 636 million verses have been highlighted. 270 million Bible plans have been completed. Can we just celebrate that? I mean, how awesome that the Bible has been given to that many people. And they have a vision, uh, Uversion has a vision, the Bible app has a vision to get the Bible in everyone's hands who has a device. It's unbelievable, it's awesome. There is good in the digital world. But it's complicated because there's also evil. There's good, there's evil. There's joy, and there's pain. I love it. This morning's uh, Bible app, uh, verse of the day, if you read it. And you should. Have I told you that lately? Like, you should, you should open up your, your Bible app every day and at least, at a minimum, read the verse of the day. Here's what it says. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. That's, that's what the verse says today. It's a, it's a great verse from Psalms. Um, and what I thought about this morning, because I knew what we were going to be talking about, the digital world, I thought to myself, what should be God's word as a, as a lamp or a lantern, if you listen to the person who was talking about the verse of the day, like a lantern, and, and a light to, to kind of guide our way, I was, I was thinking about how the digital world is such a, a light and a lantern for us these days. Like if you want to drive somewhere and you're wondering what the traffic's like, you open your Maps app to be a light for your path. Yes, it's beautiful. We don't have to get lost anymore. It's so cool. The news for the day. You don't even have to wait for someone to throw your newspaper into your driveway. And you go out and you get it and you open it up and you got to drink your coffee. And then I lost my, my readers and so I got to find my readers. Like you can just open your app and you can zoom in and see words really big. It's unbelievable. You got the news for the day. You got maps. Um, I was out uh, recently golfing with someone and, um, and I was in a foursome and two of the, of the four were wearing long pants. 
and the, um, the, the high for the day was like 88. And one of them was like, I don't know why I'm wearing long pants instead of shorts. This was ridiculous. And one of the other guys in my group, I knew what I was talking about today. He didn't. Uh, one of the guys in my group was like, you know, there's this crazy thing on the phone called the weather app that can tell you what the weather is going to be like before it actually happens. It's unbelievable. It's like a light. And I was thinking, we use, we use the digital world as a lamp and as a light in so many ways. And it's, it's fine. It's good. But when we overuse it as a lamp and a light and we miss the spirit beneath it, it can lead us under, into other places, to bad places. Um, the Bible Project is another great tool that's used in media. I mean, it's unbelievable. Their mission is to help everyone see that the Bible is a unified story pointing us all to Jesus where life can be found. There's so many great usages. I, I just pulled out a couple because I just think these are two great um, tools that are used in, in media and so many different things. Um, what was created for connection and learning and information has become a tool that can be used for manipulation and control. Think about that. What was created to help you and to help me connect and know has suddenly been turned into a tool for manipulation and control. And if you don't believe it, talk to those or listen to those who created it. That's what they want to do. They want to manipulate and control us. Do I still have you? Are you with me? Um, pastor that um, I've learned so much from, and um, he's no longer uh, living, but so much great stuff here. And I just want to, one, one quote, and then I'm going to work through five things, and we'll be done. Don't worry. I'm going to land the plane somewhere, and then I'll just let God's spirit do what he's going to do. But here's... Um, here's what Eugene Peterson said, Pastor Peterson. He said, rescue me from the person who tells me of life and omits Christ, who is wise in the ways of the world and ignores the move of the Spirit. Now take that in just for a minute. Rescue me from those who want to tell me where I can find life, yet omit Christ where life is found. Those who are really wise in how to capture clients, consumers, and make money, yet ignore the moves of the Spirit. Rescue me from that. That's a great prayer when it comes to our digital lives. It's a great prayer. So five tools. These are all in um, the journal this week. Uh, five things just to, to wrestle with. Um, number one is this. When it comes to your digital life, own it. Don't be owned. Because that's the goal is for them to own us. And I don't mean that in a crazy way. I just mean they, they want to own our time. They want to they leverage as much time from us as they can. So own it. Make a decision to own the tool and not to be owned by it. Does that make sense? So, okay, that's enough there. Let's second one. Make peace, not war. I know I messed this thing up, but make peace, not war. Don't use these things as tools for battle. 
I mean, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers because the peacemakers will be called children of God. And it's one of the things in the last two years plus. I mean, it's been going on for a while, but it's just getting more amplified. Don't, let's, let's quit using depersonalized communication to drive people apart and to create lines that divide. Instead, let's do everything we can to bring about peace and unity. Make peace, not war. When you have a choice of what to post or what to believe or what to say or how to stereotype other people, choose the path of peace. Just do it. Just choose the path of peace, not of division. Okay, that's enough about that one. Develop compassion and empathy. One of the challenges with, um, and, and they say this is true about TV and news and media, is one of the challenges is over time we just become desensitized to the realities of our world. What once was a powerful picture that would draw our hearts in and help us engage with some of the greatest pains in the world, now we're so desensitized that we just scroll past without even thinking about the pain that, that exists. And over the last year, I've been, again and again, I've been, I've been saying, we, we need to, to learn to humble ourselves and listen and learn. Because though we might not agree with someone who's presenting a certain perspective, usually the perspective is born out of a pain that we might not understand. And so listening and learning and developing compassion Again, regardless of whether or not we believe a perspective is right or not, that doesn't really matter. Usually our perspectives are born out of things that happen and pain in our lives, and so listen for the pain that's there. And, and allow God to develop some compassion and empathy in us. Does that make sense? Okay, the, the, the next one, four. Demand rest from your media. Demand rest from your devices. Like put them to sleep. Put them to sleep. Um, I love this passage from Psalms that says this. Um, the nations are in chaos. Can I get an amen? The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. Be still and know that I am God. Don't get caught up in the sky is falling. Be still. Bring it down and know that I am God. Isn't that a great little passage for us when it comes to media? So, like, put them to sleep. Let me give you a challenge. Um, maybe two of you will take this challenge. Here it is. This is hard for me. I'm not there yet. I'll just admit, I'm not there yet. But here's the challenge. Digital Sabbathing. I don't think that's a word, but I made it up anyway. Um, Cameron talked a couple weeks ago about rest, which I think is a beautiful thing for all of us. But not just rest physically. I think we need rest from our stuff. And our devices. So here's, here's a challenge. One hour a day, put your phone to sleep. Put it away. One day a week, put it away. See what happens. Matt, do you know how important I am? <laughs> I know. I know. I get it. Me too. I'm pretty important. One day a week, just put it away. One week a year. What would that look like? One week a year. Some of you are like, there's no way I could do that. I mean, how would I know what pants to wear if I go golfing, if I put my phone away? 
I mean, if there's traffic, I won't know if there's traffic. What, what would that look like? But listen, if you start small, if you start with, with one hour a day, if you could say one hour a day, let me, let me give you the cheating version of how to do this. Not when you're sleeping. I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> it's not fair. That doesn't work. Here's the cheating version. During one of your meals, like dinner at night, take your phone and put it in your bedroom in a drawer or in your closet or under the dirty laundry, I don't care where you put it, put it away, turn it off, do something for one hour. And just don't look at it, don't pick it up, don't mess with it. Just turn it all off for one hour a day. That, you can do that. I can do that one hour a day. And then you get to the one day a week, and that gets a little bit more challenging. I know, 24 hours is a long time. Start from sunup till sundown. Use that as a, as a starting point. Just one day a week, say, you know what, on my Saturday, from the time um, the sun comes up until it goes, to, I'm just going to put my phone away. I'm just going to Sabbath from my phone. I'm going to do that. But how do I know when Ohio State's playing that day? <laughs> just look on Friday. You can do it. One, and then one week a year, something like that. Okay, enough on that one. And then um, choose presence over distraction. Just choose presence when you're with people. Now, I know 100% of the people in this room would probably agree with this. That when you're at, at lunch with someone or you're at dinner with someone or you got things going on, it's annoying when you're in a conversation and someone just keeps picking up their phone. It's annoying, isn't it? Choose presence over the distraction. Turn your phone over. Like, set it aside when you're with people and you're engaged. Now, I understand. I have kids. I know sometimes when we go on date night and our kids are home alone, I understand. And we try to say every now and then, as you should, is, hey, I'm going to try not to be distracted tonight, but I just have to, in case one of my kids texts me, I'm just going to have my phone up like this so I can see it if they text, but I'm not going to be distracted by it. Like, choose presence over distraction. One quick story, and then I'm done. Um, we had some millennials over to our house. And we all like to point at millennials as the cause of all the problems <laughs> when it's the older generations who created the technology. Anyway, that's another sermon. Ooh, I'm getting in trouble. Here we go. I had some millennials over. It was our oldest son's birthday, and um, he wanted to have some friends over. And so two of his friends, a, a married, young married couple, um, came over. And I noticed something uh, really cool when they came into our house. Uh, they walked into our house, and we have like a, a dining, like a kind of a dining room table in one part of the house, and then we have our kitchen and the backyard, and the birthday party was going to be in the kitchen and the backyard primarily. Um, this young millennial couple, and I'm just, I keep saying that because I want you to, like, if they can do it, like, we can do it. Some of us think they were born with a phone in their hands, and they can't get away from it. It's just part of who they are, but it, it's so cool. They walked into our house, both of them took their phones and put them on our dining room table and left them there for the whole night. It was the coolest thing. And they didn't, they didn't say anything about it. We didn't say anything about it. Um, later, I, just, I was so impressed. I said to, to Connor, I said, did you notice that they put their phone down? And he was like, no. And I was like, it was the coolest thing as an adult to see someone so interested in being dialed in that they put their phone down when they walked in and I never saw them look at it. They might have. They might have cheated. They might have had those watches that give notifications. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they did. But I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world that they chose presence 
over distraction. And so th there's five little things that maybe tips we can, we can try to employ so that we're not controlled or manipulated so that we can use it for good because there's so much good in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Man, I love our church. I love when we watch online and <laughs> all the ways we can use the digital media and stay connected. All those things. I do. I do. I love that we have that technology. There's nothing like being in the room. I will say that. There's nothing like being in the room and being together and looking at each other's faces. I just am so glad that you're here today. Would you stand? Would you stand with me? So as you go, there's these words of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary, and you carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. That's Jesus. So may we all keep in step with Jesus and the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.